Roller shot away though, and he put four links on Super Elegant Amtrak, and then came La Zagaleta. But look at Regal Roller go, he's racing away to win the JJ Liston by about four links. Regal Roller is well clear, he's four links in front now. Alingi and our Egyptian Rain are finishing very hard. Regal Roller pinched a break on them at the turn though, and he wins the group one. Regal Roller first, violin to the quarter. Our Egyptian Rain, Alingi third. Well, that was just a couple of the devastating campaign that Regal Roller had back in 2004. He won the Liston. He then won the Memsey, uh, both Group 2 level back then. And then that last win was his first group, won the Dubai Cup, defeating our Egyptian Reign and Alingi, which is now the Rupert Clark. He then went on to win the Turak and he came back and won a futurity here at Caulfield. He owned the 1,400 metres at Caulfield. It's great to see the Regal Roller name live on in honour of the great horse today. And Clinton McDonald, he'd have a smile every time he thinks of Regal Roller, and he joins us to tell the tale. Good morning, Clinton. How are you? Yeah, good, boys. How are you? Good, mate. And I'm Jim, and every year since that the Regal Roller's been run, you wish Regal Roller was in it. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Uh, he was a great horse for us, and uh, he was a great betting horse, and, um, yeah, we had a lot of fun. They were good days. Tell us about your mate. The mate. mate. Yeah, no, he had a lot of luck. Uh, probably the be- one of the best days we had with Regal Roller was we took him to Bendigo, and he only won two races, but he'd won at Crawford and lost it on a uh, positive two quarter zone. So we lined him up at Bendigo in a uh, open 1100. Nick Ryan rode him, actually, and he was 50 to 1, and we just thought he was unbeatable. And I said to Nick, I said, just hold on and don't let go. And uh, he ended up winning by two lengths. So uh, that was a good day. Um, Brian Duran used to take a. Uh, binocular case with no binoculars in it and he used to fill it up with cash and what he couldn't put in he'd take a check home so so were you putting in the ring in those days uh yeah it was because back in those days you had a good size ring you know um and uh you used to be able to get on and uh we're able to have a good bet so uh it was great to us and uh it's just one of those horses that you know i remember speaking to a couple of professional punters you know it's mathematically impossible for them to beat him because you, you'd sit up on the speed and then kick off and run a really strong last 400. And they just couldn't catch him, you know, especially around Caulfield and that. Um, and back in those days, Caulfield sort of had a little bit of a leader bias. So it was just the right time, right track and uh, right horse. So, and I think Weekend Usler had uh, you and your dad and this mysterious mate had wins on that as well. But you're preparing the horse to compete in these big races. But at the corner of your eye, you're also thinking, well, how do we orchestrate this uh, uh, the betting activities on the day is it, how, how was the race day planned out when you, when you were going to have a crack at, rest, at Regal Roller? Well, it was one of those things with Regal Roller. Early in his career, they just kept up putting up a price. You know, I think it was seventeen dollars, then sixteen dollars when he won at Corfu. You know, when he was winning those sort of rating races, um, and then he went on and won the Vic Health Cup. Oh, not the Vic Health Cup, the Victorian Handicap. Um, then he came back in the spring, and he just grown and developed even more so, and. Um, he was just one of those horses that he never showed you a lot on the training track, but come race day, he was a very horse, very easy horse to read in the mountain yard. You know, he'd really get up on the toe and uh, he'd start flicking his head. And once we saw him flick his head, Brian Darren used to take off out of the mountain yard and run straight to the uh, bookie ring, you know, and uh, it was quite funny to watch him. But um, he was just one of those horses. He was just a great betting horse. And he always turned up and uh, you knew what you were going to get and he, and he took all the bad luck out of it, you know, so you could bet with confidence. So ten times he was first past the post at Caulfield Clinton, obviously nine that he retained, but how much would you have given 
for the Cox Plate in 2004 to, been, uh, to have been run at Caulfield? Well, his running the Cox Plate was unbelievable. You, you sort of watched, there was, a, there was a pest from New Zealand, I forget the mayor's name, and sort of sat right at his girth and just never sort of gave us that breather. And I think if it wasn't in the race, um, you know, I reckon he would have run, uh, you know, he would have gone a lot closer uh, to winning it. But, you know, it was probably one of our best days. We paid a late nomination fee. Um, you know, back in those days, we were pretty fearless. And Brian Darren said, yeah, let's pay it. So... I think it was 110,000, and after the race, he said, that's the best joyride for 110k I'll ever have. So um, I think he picked up 120,000, uh, so he ended up making 10 grand profit on the race, which he, the owner was wrapped, and uh, it was just a great day to be involved. You know, to have any runner in a Cox Plate uh, is great, and, uh, you know, the horse does done us proud. It's an important time in your career. Maybe your kids... I remember after one of those wins that your kids were in the mounting yard, so you were a young dad at the time and a young trainer starting out, and he was... He, he wasn't a flash pedigreed horse or anything like that. How did he come into your, into your stable and into your life? Well, we bought the... Uh, we bought Regal Roller's mother, uh, Arantia Rose, and she was an absolute reptile. And uh, I had to break it in, and uh, I hated it. Uh, I used to want to flip over, and it was just an awful animal. And uh, Brian owned the mare, and uh, I don't think the mare even raced. I think she might have bowed a tendon or something like that. And so Brian started breeding with her, and uh, once I got my licence, I was lucky enough for Brian to say, you know, we've got this horse here, we'd love you to train it. Uh, Brian was very good friends with my grandfather, and uh, had horses with him, and then obviously with Roscoe, and, and with uh, them with myself. So he's with three generations, really. And uh, he, he said, here, I've got this horse for you, and... Uh, I remember when I got him, he was, he was sort of you know, a backward type of horse, but he always showed us nice ability. Um, but it took us a little while to, to get him to break through. I know we done our we done our money first up with him at Bendigo. I remember that day; it was horrific, and uh, he just got beat on the post. Um, he kept running sort of second and third, you know. And then once he broke through, he was away. And, and when he was in that purple patch of form, it was a great partnership with Mark Flaherty as well. Uh, and I know you guys were good mates. That would have been. Uh, a good ride, and I'd imagine back in those days, the celebrations would have been pretty big as well. Uh, yep, yeah, it was pretty wild, um, I have to say. I remember there's a couple of times where uh, there were pretty big nights, and then you'd have to get on the radio the next morning, and uh, that was a bit of a battle. But uh, I was probably lucky I had young kids and, and a wife to have a handbrake on me because, uh, yeah, it used to get pretty wild back then. But, yeah, you've got to do that. The old man used to do it. You know, he always celebrated after a big win, and, um, yeah, that's a part of racing, isn't it? It's a good, fun, punt, you know, everything, you know, about having a good time and, uh, you know, doing your job properly, having a bet and uh, also enjoying the good times. Can I ask you a cheeky question? But do you remember what the biggest bet you had on him was? Uh, yes, I do. Um, yeah, no, I won't I go bragging about that. But I remember um, I did an all-up once and uh, we rolled about three horses into him and, and it saluted. So that was a pretty good day. Um, but, you know, here's a horse. He bought our house, you know. Um, he's yeah, one right. of those horses where I remember Ali come a couple of years later. She found an ANZ bank bag. And uh, she said, Dad, I remember when this was full of money. I said, yeah, so do I. You wouldn't be a McDonald without life right. being a, a roller coaster of highs and lows <laughs> and uh, fortune and, and, and almost famine. Uh, and your dad had a similar sort of... Obviously, it was very high profile, wasn't it, with all the great Nick Collum horses. And then... Times got tough, and it was probably an important lesson for you as a as a kid coming through who then became a trainer to know both sides of uh, of how things can play out. And this was a particularly big era with Regal Roller, but there are some there are tough times as well, aren't there? 
Oh, no doubt. Um, I was a spoilt little bastard when I was young. Um, you know, I had jet skis and speedboats. And I remember when Dad went broke, he said, you've gone from a prince to a pauper, now I'll teach you how to survive. And it was probably the best lesson I ever had, really. Um, you know, hard work. Uh, I started a business, breaking in business when I was 16. Um, you know, Greg Mance was kind enough to give me all these horses to break in, which, you know, they were mad, hadn't seen a white man. And, uh, you know, it taught me to work hard and... Uh, at the end of the day, you can make good money out of this business, but you just got to work hard and put your you know, head down, bum up, and um, you know, that's part and parcel of it. Um, it's one of those jobs where it's very rewarding. Uh, you got to be resilient, and uh, you know, I love it. I, I love the ups and downs. You know, you, you sort of it makes you more keen. I can't remember Greg Mance. He had some top horses. Clinton, um, was there a time you had something to do with Northerly? Yeah, um, I rode northerly for three weeks. Uh, they couldn't get him going around the track, and uh, Dad said to Fred, you need to put a set of spurs on that horse. He said, well, I've got no one to ride it. And Dad said, I, I do. So I'll never forget, it was a Sunday morning, we are working, and Fred walked in with northerly, and he virtually said, here, he's your horse. If you don't get him going, I'm taking him home. And uh, so I jumped on him. Uh, I rode him for about an hour and a half. I put a pole across racket on him, and the whole lot. And he was a magnificent horse to ride. He was the best balanced horse I've ever sat on. And uh, I virtually had him spinning around the uh, yard and, uh, you know, sitting on his hindquarters, and uh, he was fantastic. So we got him going, and I remember Ollie rode him and worked with Umrum, and, and he came and he said, that's the first time he's felt like a Group 1 horse. And he won the Caulfield Stakes by three, and then he uh, went on and won the Cox Plate. Did he feel like a nice horse underneath you? Because it's interesting, because he was such a weird-going... Uh, he was a bit of a very elegant, really, to race, and he... He'd always look under pressure, and then he'd start going again, and then finally catch horses like Sundown. But under, under in a different environment, he, he just felt he felt like a nice horse underneath you. Did he normally? Yeah, he, he floated. He, he had the best action on him. He had a really long stride on him, and uh, I had him working with his head, you know, down on his chest, and uh, he was magnificent. And Fred says to this day, he should have run him in the Melbourne Cup that year. Uh, he would have flogged them, you know. He was that good a horse, and the further he went, the stronger he got, and, and you just. I remember he worked at uh, Caulfield one morning. I think it was before the Caulfield Cup. And he went out and he went two laps the course proper and the girl couldn't pull him up. And she virtually pulled him up at the top of the hill, you know, after going two laps. And then he come back and he was pig-rooting. And I said, I've never seen anything like it. You know what I mean? Like, normally a horse would be walking down with his head on the ground. And he come off the track pig-rooting after doing that work. And, and I mean, it was serious work, you know. Uh, he was really running along. But he was an amazing horse, absolutely amazing horse. Well, there's always a good one that comes across. Uh, and Star Patrol's the next one. When do we get to see Star Patrol? Yeah, he's going super. Uh, he's going to run in the Heath, uh, 1100 at Caulfield. Um, then he'll go to the Gilgai, um, and then hopefully onto the Manicato and the Darley. Obviously, you know, Peter Verlandes is doing all of us a favour, and uh, it's great. And, uh, you know, we've got a real opportunity, I think, with a nice progressive horse to be able to hopefully run in those better races for good prize money. That ANZ bag might be filled up again soon. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> hey, well, thanks I for coming on and Flemington. Yes. Uh, hey, thanks for living, uh, reliving the memories of Regal Roller. What a star he was. Good on you, Clint. Thanks, guys. Bye.